So she would call me with questions about sugarcane farming when she wrote Queen Sugar. She would come down every year a couple of times and, and just try to learn the whole process of, of sugarcane farming and the whole business. We put her on tractors, we put her on a combine, we put her on a truck going to the mill, took her tours through the mill, and, and the rest is history. She gave Jose the thumbs up, turned the ignition, and the combine lurched forward. Choppers inside the combine stripped leaves from stalks and cut the cane into billets, carrot-sized pieces that traveled up the conveyor belt into a chute that spat them into the cane wagon. As Charlie drove, shredded leaves and dirt fell around her like rain. She wants to go walk right by the sugarcane with you, Dane, and oh, talk okay. a little bit about sugarcane. All right. We we're, we're running about 1,800 acres of cane and about 700 acres of soybeans. And where are you from originally? Bro Bridge. Cajun coon-ass pure, girl. Oh, yeah. Naturally, you're in the business for the money, but you got to have it in your heart and soul to farm, you know? It's, it's a hard life as far as you had the mercy of Mother Nature all the time. You got to fight with, uh, what do you call that, bureaucrats uh, for the price of sugar, yeah. you know? But actually, you gotta, it's got to be in your heart. You got to love what you're doing, you know? All right, let's go downstairs. This is where the actual sugar making takes place. So what you've seen is all the extraction, the cleaning up of the juice. The air vibrated with the muffled roar of furnaces and the drone of gears turning. 24 hours a day. Just stick your finger in it. Oh, it's delicious. That's nice, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Charlie's relationship to the South is very much like mine. She has a Western sensibility. She has grown up in a place where she feels free. The shock for her is to figure out what it means to live in the modern South. A lot of the old ways of being are still in existence. They may be right below the surface, but they are still there. My dad is from Louisiana. He was born in the Jim Crow South, and he could not wait to get out of Louisiana. In his mind, there was nothing romantic about Louisiana. There was nothing beautiful. There was nothing poetic about it. When he was a boy, he worked at a gas station in his little town. And sometimes he would go to work and he wouldn't have shoes on, right? He would just go barefoot. When he would take his breaks, he would, you know, go inside where it was cool, inside the garage or whatever, and he would take a nap. And some of the white boys who worked at this gas station, they would slather liquid rubber on his feet and then set it on fire. You know, I would tell him that I was roaming on these back roads, you know, by myself. And, you know, he was always like, well, be careful, you know, be careful. I was with my girls and I had brought them down here. Your daughters. My daughters. And they were little. They were maybe eight and 11. I was in this rental car with them and they were in the back seat. And I drove through some little town and I noticed in the, my rear view mirror that 
uh, police officer literally came out of nowhere and pulled up right behind me and followed me through that whole town, just rode right on my bumper, didn't stop me, and he trailed me until I got to the outer edge of that, of that town limit, the city limit. And then he pulled off and went back. I had to just be brave and, and not say anything, but I remember my hands were shaking. That was one of those moments when I was like, I am where my dad grew up. She saw another car, a pickup, approaching fast in her rearview mirror. It rolled her bumper, then slid parallel. Don't look, Charlie had told Micah, though she couldn't help but look herself. The past.